I'd be more surprised if Hugh Jackson was the Packers coach next year. Sickening how many people give up so quickly. The kung fu he does at the line. Yeah, he's just he's a treasure to watch, man. I love it. He's becoming my favorite player on the team. That, 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 that might not be a good metaphor, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. Hi, this is Jerry Kramer, and you're listening to The Sweep. Oh, I have sizzle. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Nice. Gets Whoa. the people going. All right, here we go, fella. Let's have a little fun today. What is happening, Pack Nation? Welcome to the Sweet Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the Green Bay Packers have now lost eight straight road games, their longest streak since losing nine straight road games in the 1978-1979 season, also known to some as the Dark Ages. Things are looking a bit terrifying, people. I, however, am remaining strangely calm in my optimistic ways. I think in this case, change is good. Uh, Change is needed and change looks imminent. We are going to cover that and much, much more in tonight's episode. But first, let's say hey to the guest, the co-host, the man of the hour, as always, Mr. Cameron Gilbert. What's going on, dude? Go Bucks. Yeah, go Bucks. (laughs) Milwaukee Bucks, right? Not Ohio State for the local. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) We got something, at least. A little something to be excited about. It's it's been a rough couple weeks, man. It's yeah, it's hard. You know, my weekends and it, the we've said it before. The winter months in Wisconsin are saved by football, and when football is bad, it just it hurts. It, it's just it's a depressing, cold, long winter when football is not doing what football should be doing. So I'm hoping that Aaron Rodgers gets going. I hope Aaron can keep heated up a little bit uh but we'll get into that we've got some interesting things to talk about tonight that is for sure um it's going to be a little different than you know your normal format um because things are popping up and and it's people always want to talk about the Packers not being the most interesting team and, and kind of boring we are not boring anymore people this we are front and center on ESPN on Bleacher Report wherever you want to call it the pack is back and and not really where I want it to be so um, but before we get into that, uh, quick shout out to our sponsors, of course, the Ground Round and Nina and Pride and Glory Clothing Company. Check them out online at groundroundnina.com and prideandglory63.com. Uh, plenty of good deals. Make sure you're checking out Pride and Glory for Christmas. And while you're at it, while you're on the computer, while you're on your phone, while you're on your tablet, make sure and check out the sweep on Facebook. Go up to that little search button and type in the sweep. We should be number one. If we're not, let us know. And uh, you can check us out on Twitter at the sweet podcast and now on soundcloud all right cam uh like i said we're gonna switch it up a little bit we're gonna hit some some different topics here some things going on um do we want to start off with some crazy do we want to start off with some bad do we want to start off with some good what are you thinking what well, let's let's try and get like an objective uh where we're at like a state of the union what's going on right now. And then we can kind of go into the conspiracy theories and go into the speculation about the future and stuff like that. Can I just rip my papers up, throw them and walk out? <laughs> Is that the most th- accurate description I can give you? That's not a very effective uh, podcast uh, method, but 
when we I mean, go to video, that's going down. Yeah, um, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about where we're at. Let's talk about what the hell's going on. Um, you want to start? What you you start? You prompt me, and I'll uh, I'll I'll roll into it. I don't think I have a a, a very clear answer, and and that's that's kind of the the I have this weird feeling. I don't have this this closure, if you will, kind of. Usually at this point, you see a lot of people online, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, there are people that are ready to throw in the towel, you know, give up. Rogers is wasted. Uh, you know, his talent is wasted. He's not playing right. It's McCarthy's fault. It's Philbin's fault. It's everyone's fault. Uh, everyone wants to put the blame. And you know what? Everyone's probably got a little slice of that pie, no doubt about it. But I can't quite give up until we're, we're fully eliminated from the playoffs. Um, and I think that's just, and I was talking to my good buddy, Kasten, uh, about this situation. And we were talking about back in the day, 2010, we lost to the Dolphins, uh, a terrible Dolphins team. Yep. Um, and we were sitting at a bar and we were just talking, we're, we're like, it's, we're done. Like, this is crap. We're playing like shit. We're losing to crappy teams. I mean, at that point we were still scoring a lot of points, but it just it, it wasn't there, and and we kind of were starting to get to that point where we might be eliminated, and then everything happens, and we don't know why, we kind of know who, but how it all goes down, we don't quite figure it out. It just happens, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen again, but going back to what I said, I'm not going to say it's not not going to happen until it's done. Until we are out of the – until it goes on the clicker, the Packers have been eliminated from the playoffs or any playoff contention, then we can talk about it. But until then, I just – even though we're playing like shit, I just can't quite commit to being done. I think it's um... – it's funny you bring that up. We still have these like comparable situations. You're talking about 2010. You're talking about the relax season. Um, and you're talking about not giving up. And we've talked about on the show a couple times this year, building an identity and understanding what our identity is early on and then developing that. And we still don't have that. We have not played a complete game on offense. We have not shown the same consistency on defense. Uh, we've made some personnel moves that have, again, showed a glaring lack of depth at uh, a bunch of really important positions. Um, and it, it really all falls kind of evenly on the, on the shoulders of uh, the main players here. Um, every time we call a timeout without context in a game, more likely than not, it's going to be a, a killed drive. We're going to punt on that drive. Um, I did a little bit of analysis there. All these poorly timed timeouts that Mike McCarthy loves to call, almost always not effective in terms of creating offense. Um, in terms of losing so many games on the road, in terms of losing so many close games, that's, you know, again, game management, poor decisions. Um, that's Mike McCarthy. Um, Aaron Rodgers kind of trying to develop this, uh, you know, he's trying to throw all these out routes without the, uh, without the seams on the ball. And you saw it this last two weeks when we needed to have it on, on wide open EQ plays, uh, you know, the throw just for some reason, quote unquote, stuck in his hand. Um, and 
we're seeing, you know, not only is his throwaway percentage higher, but his off the target throws are higher. Uh, a gimme touchdown to Devontae last week, which he almost always hits, was gone. Um, it's, it's almost like a, a complete disinterest all around. And it's like one of those relationships where you see the end of the relationship coming and you're, you, you want to be in the relationship and you're comfortable in it, but you know, you're just not putting the effort in to make it happen. And, you know, if a football season is a campaign, uh, but so is a franchise. So is a, a dynasty. It's, it's, it's years and years of work. And if you, you know, if you have a crack in that foundation, which I would say we've had, uh, both in personnel and in coaching for a number of years, um, you really have to tear down the whole structure to rebuild it. So as hopeful as I am like you, that, that, we, that we squeak into the playoffs and, and that Aaron Rodgers does something magical, I'd almost rather not have that happen. I'd rather be good than lucky. And if you look around the NFC in particular right now, there's two or three teams that could compete. And I don't think we're one of them uh, for a Super Bowl. And uh, that's really hard for me to say. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, everybody, including Aaron, who's there's going to be just as much on his shoulders next year, uh, needs to look in the mirror and work, work his ass off in the offseason. Uh, but, yeah, I just, you know, even if we make it, I, I, I don't think we deserve it. Um, that's just not who we are as an organization. I mean, I think Packers fans generally value work ethic. They value... Uh, you know, good character, good people, um, and working well together. And, uh, I, that's not, not something I've seen at least in the last couple of years. And, uh, it's definitely time to, to tear it down. Tear it down all the way, or are you looking at kind of one particular person? <laughs> I mean, are we talking about like a complete rebuild here? Because I don't believe in the, the idea of a complete rebuild. Um, you know, you look at Andy Herman on Twitter, Scotty Sports, one of my favorite people to follow. If you don't follow him, follow him. He put out there a great little, you know, stat, if you will. Um, and you look at the, the majority of our young talent and, and rising talent is under 25 years old. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, so I don't know if I'm looking at a restructure in personnel necessarily. Are we talking more coaching? I think it's, part of it is organizational philosophy. So, so for so many years, we've had this insular uh, draft them and, and develop them, Ted Thompson, trust in Ted uh, type idea. And we've seen the last three years just in how we've drafted uh, that didn't work. Uh, well, I, I guess until this year, I'll, I mean, I'll say the jury's still out on first and second year guys. But uh, going back to that Demofsky piece that, that we were talking about, about the, the dead period, right? The, the bad times of Ted's last couple of years. Um, bringing in a guy like Goot, who's been in the organization for 19 years, and I think is probably your your Reggie McKenzie replacement for, for the manager job that you were grooming somebody for. Um, I, I think he's going to get better. Uh, I expect the kind of stuff that we've seen from him in the first year. I expect like a haha move. I expect a Demarius Randall move. Um, those types of things are the great first step in kind of putting your stamp on an organization. And that's, and that's, that's great. Um, but 
I do think we have a lot of depth problems and uh, we do have a lot of problems with like, I mean, Nick Perry I mean, makes you and I apoplectic when we talk about him, but he's a perfect example of, of a huge mistake, right? And, and, and staring you in the face all the time. Um, and we have to get away from moves like that. And we have to get away from the, the last few years. That philosophy has gone so far away because you've seen how many people are trading away first and second round picks for good free agents that just didn't work out wherever they started. Um, so I think, yes, obviously we need offensive coaching change. Uh, that's a huge deal. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd take Philbin and Mike McCarthy out of there. I think Mike McCarthy was given everything he wanted this year. I think uh, he was given every opportunity to retool and to fix the, what went wrong when we saw Brett Hundley in there last year. Uh, and he did not do any of that. And uh, as much as I, I like him personally, as much as I think he fits personality wise, um, the way that uh, he is leading this team, um, the lack of leadership, I think, I mean, I mean, you can start seeing him getting really frustrated now. Like look at the, uh, the, the missed challenge um, looking at the, the timeout where he was complaining to a line judge and not getting the referee over last week when we were, when he wanted to call for a spot. Um, this guy is uh, making a show of it. And I would really love it if he just came out and said, look, I'm going to resign at the end of the year. We're going to help find a replacement. We're going to see what we have in the back end of this roster. Uh, but he's still out there, uh, you know, defending the Alamo and, you know, I, I kind of respect him for that, but I'd respect him a lot more if he removed his ego from the equation. Yeah, I think, I think we'd find a little bit more solace in the idea of him just saying whether, I guess it would have to be him, but to say, hey, I'm going to be done at the end of the year and let's ride out. Like, let's go crazy. Let's, let's finish off the year on a high note and let McCarthy go off on a high note because honestly, I think it's going to end up being kind of a tainted breakup here, which really kind of is unfortunate because, you know, I think we, in the, in the long run, we should all be pretty grateful for what he's done and, and of course, yeah. And bringing in Super Bowl and everything like that. Um, but I think like, Hey, let's, let's just cement it and say, it's, this is my last year and let the guys who've been playing for him for a while, go out and play for him and, and try to win some games for him. Um, you kind of talk about, you know, uh, that whole situation and, and McCarthy not being able to take advantage of what he was given, um, which kind of leads us to the the post that I posted on Facebook earlier tonight, um, the conspiracy theory, uh, which is crazy and good and right and wrong and normal and unnormal and all the things in the entire world because that's what conspiracies are. Um, but on Bleacher Report, Adam Lefko, uh, a part of Sims and Lefko, or is it Sims and Lefke, Lefko, Lefko? Lefko, Lefko, yeah. Lefko. Awesome, yeah. Um, usually love those two guys. Really great, interesting stuff. They kind of, Adam introduces this idea that uh, Aaron Rodgers purp purposefully started 4-6-1 and one to get Green Bay to move on from McCarthy, and, and now he thinks that McCarthy, or uh, Aaron Rodgers is, quote unquote, going to go John Wick in the NFL. Um, 
let's talk about that because I think that's an interesting an interesting thing. <clears throat> We've talked about it. Uh, me and you have talked about it during one of you know our little conversations. <clears throat> kind of entertaining this idea, uh, not fully, but a, some some aspects of it. Uh, the idea of Rogers not necessarily throwing games or maybe yeah, and let's, let's losing, but let's let's give some context to that. So so Aaron Rodgers obviously is at his best when he is improvising, when the offense is high paced. Uh, when he can kind of uh, get mismatches and substitution packages and get you to jump off sides and stuff like that. Um, that's not head coaching. That's Aaron Rodgers running the offense. And while he used to, uh, you know, always hit the stuff that was on schedule too, um, ever since, you know, like those Hail Mary games, ever since uh, the first collarbone injury, uh, he's kind of just had to turn that on and say, okay, I'm going to win this game that we, you know, by all rights should have won, but based on how we've played should not be in. Um, and he's kind of turned games around and won them himself. He's done that consistently his whole career. And that's, that's just the type of guy he is. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He was, you know, passed over by 21 teams. He had a lot to prove. Um, the last couple of years, I think, I think you saw with last year, the way he was, uh, talking on his radio show, the way the comments that he was making, um, all the stuff we've heard when he went down and Brett Hundley came in, we saw that this, this guy wasn't prepared and uh, our coach had no solution. We could not run an offense effectively. Uh, even without a quarterback, we could not, you know, adjust personnel packages, gimmicks and runs. Like we couldn't do anything. And I think Rogers went out of the way this summer to kind of talk about how he was, you know, I'm going to, I'm not trying to screw the Packers. I'm trying to take a team-friendly deal and also be the highest-paid player of all time. And when he got paid, it was first of all, it was kind of late in the offseason. It was, I mean, I think it was August when he got paid. Um, and he, you know, that's generational money. He, he, he's now, you know, worth probably a quarter billion dollars. And that type of money uh, is kind of like changes the way you think, I think, in a lot of ways. Because first of all, that's a huge sign of faith from your team. I think uh, you have the Albert Hainsworth of the world who will just take that and run. But then you have the guys like like Rogers who are who are going to like pay that forward and like say this organization believed in me. Uh, I believe in them. We're going to do this together. And in week one, in the very first week, um, we saw him frustrated with the offense. We saw him get hurt uh, because of play calling. And because of the way he plays. So like if, if, if you're not a creative offensive play caller and your quarterback is the most accurate arm ever and you refuse to run short routes or teach your receivers how to come back to the quarterback when a play breaks, uh, everything has to go deep. Your quarterback's going to hang on to the ball forever. Um, so when he got hurt, I, I, I felt like, okay, we'll see what happens here. I hope this isn't serious. And when he came back in that game, when he came back in that game, that was him saying, okay, this is it. This is me saying, yes, I'm going to do it for this team. I'm going to do it for the organization. I'm going to do it for the fans. I'm risking my health here, my long-term health, my ability to even get to the guaranteed money in this contract to come back and to beat our biggest rival in the first game of the season, to set the tone and to, uh, to kind of bring us forward. 
And he did that and he was not rewarded. Nobody met him on the mountaintop. The coach did not join him there. And when you see him this season getting frustrated, throwing more balls away, not forcing passes, kind of just shrugging his shoulders when we have that mid-game offensive lull, that's him saying, you know what, Mike, I'm not going to bail you out anymore. It's not fair to the organization. As much as I care about you personally, as much as our, important as our relationship is, I'm not going to bail you out. I'm going to expose you. I mean, I'm not deliberately undermining you. I really don't think he's deliberately, um, uh, you know, sucking. I think, I think he's just saying, okay, I'm just going to play within the offense and I'm not going to do my Aaron Rodgers thing and, uh, you know, run the team your way and we'll see how it goes. Um, and I think when that happens, you, you're seeing the same thing. You're just seeing not a good coach who has a great quarterback and who doesn't know how to maximize that guy's potential. And that's what I think is happening. I don't think he's sabotaging, but I think he's saying, you know what, I'm going to push you out of the nest, baby, Mike, baby bird, Mike McCarthy. And if you can't fly, you know, we're going we're gonna to make more babies. That, 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 that might not be a good metaphor, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it basically comes down to making more babies. Yeah, exactly. No, bravo. I mean, that, that's, we've talked about it, so it's good to hear it again. But for the listeners, I mean, that, that, is, that is truly what I, I feel is going on. And it, it, I've said it before on here. I've, I've posted it on Twitter. I've put it on Facebook. He's done bailing McCarthy out. We can, even, even if you look past the field, look at the pe- press conferences. Look at the post, post-game conferences. Look at the way that there's no intent of backing him up or there's no one-liners. There's no – it just doesn't – there's no fire there um, as opposed to other seasons where it, it's it, – he's, he's calling out, you know, and, and a, a hope for help uh, to McCarthy. McCarthy just doesn't see it. Uh, he's kind of – you know, ridden the coattails of Aaron Rodgers' genius for a very long time. And I'm not saying that Mike McCarthy's not a good coach, but I think when you have Aaron Rodgers, I think it gets amplified to a degree. And I think that it's, it's gone on long enough. The message is stale from, from McCarthy, has been now for, I think, actually a lot longer than one year. But we've seen the one-liners, the relax, the run the table, and Aaron's genius comes back, and, and that's what happens. And Mike saves another year in his job. Um, what percentage would you say that Mike McCarthy does not return next year? Are we at a hundred percent? I think you've got to be at a hundred percent. If for some reason, oh, man, even if we run, if we run the table, say we we win out, we miraculously make the playoffs. Uh, maybe we we I don't think we'd win one, but say we lose the first game in the playoffs, whatever. I mean, if we had his job, I mean, I can't imagine he is. But if if there was like a body snatchers type situation, <laughs> like that's just the thing is that that Mike McCarthy has had so much runway to show what he can do. Yeah, and you know, outside of maybe like the fake punt to uh or the fake field goal against the bears eight years ago like i can't think of the last time he called a player i'm like what a what a damn genius like that guy just saved our asses yeah 
Um, last, last, not last week. So we didn't have a show last week, but the last time we were on the air together, yeah, I said that. I'm like, when have we ever gotten done watching a game and looked at each other, looked at the person next to us, and said, "Man, McCarthy really won us that one." Never. Never. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are guys like that where, like Mike Tomlin, I don't think is going out there and and being a a crazy wacky genius, but you know his hands are all over the organization. He's outspoken about his management style, his leadership style. Um, and, you know, he's going to come out and say stuff. McCarthy is, is a, you know, he's just not a, I don't I mean, he's just not very alpha to me. He's just not very uh, demonstrative. Um, his leadership style is effective, I think, when you have, like, a bunch of older professionals. But now you have, like, this young roster that needs to be young, hungry dog in them. And, and that's, you see how to do that effectively on the saints. That's like the saints roster composition. So, so well done. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, Hey, Mike Lombardi might be a, might be a good coach candidate. Um, but, uh, another, another team who has recompositioned like this is the Colts. If you've watched the Colts at all this year, uh, they really had trouble, uh, keeping Andrew Luck healthy. Andrew Luck was kind of like, Oh, this guy sucks. Like he's a bust. Um, they rebuilt their offensive line, but more importantly, they rebuilt their offensive playbook and they have just kept him off his ass basically. And they've built an effective running game around him and you just see the type of leadership. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not some offensive genius in there. I mean, it's Frank Reich. He's a pretty good offensive coach, but it's, it's just playing to your strengths, understanding your personnel, and then putting that in, putting in a system where everybody can develop and everybody can succeed within that system. The Colts, I think, are going to be a playoff team this year, and I'd be afraid of them if I was anybody else. So, so that type of stuff, even just in the, through the first like five games of the season, you saw them develop tremendously. Um, and now when you see a team like the Saints play, like you're terrified of every part of that team just because they have so many wrinkles, they have so many smart coaches, they have so many different schemes and personnel groupings that they can use. Even with with a crazy high wide receiver one uh, share, so like typically I think it's a pretty bad indicator if a quarterback is throwing to his top wide receiver, uh, you know, twenty thirty times a game. Um, but the the Saints do that sometimes with Michael Thomas. Um, we do it sometimes with Devontae, which I think is a bad sign this year. Uh, but th- they're able to just find balance, and it's game to game for them. It's it's clearly not steamrolling your system and trying to force your system to be effective just because you have the talent. Uh, and just because you have a killer quarterback, everybody's quarterback is pretty good now. They've all played in spread systems. They've all played seven on seven since they were eight years old. Like, like Jared Goff is not a very accurate quarterback, but he's a pretty good professional quarterback. And with that system, he's going to be successful. And just to see everybody else doing that, I would be baffled if, if Mike McCarthy, A, changed his changed any of his methodologies uh, because that's just the type of guy he is and B had a job with the Packers next year. I'd be more surprised if Hugh Jackson was the Packers coach next year. I got to hate on Hugh. Leave Hugh alone, man. <laughs> Hugh's had a pretty rough couple weeks here. I'm getting blasted by Baker. Um, you, you brought up Devante. I, I'm going to jump off topic real quick here. Shout out to Devante for finally getting a thousand yards. I was I was surprised that he did not have a thousand yards last year. 
I know, 997. Uh, I, I remember him being really upset about it. Um, super excited for him. I think he is absolutely electric. I love watching him with the ball, watching him get the ball and watching him run the routes. It's, it's one of my favorite things about this football team, and I think he has just a sky-high potential, um, only 25 years old, which is insane. Um, still have a ton of life left with him. Uh, just incredible. He's, he's actually the first Packers player with 10 touchdown catches in three straight, three straight seasons since, can you guess? First Freeman? Packer player. Antonio Freeman. No, Sterling Sharp. Sterling Sharp. Well, okay. So we're going back here. Wow. Yeah. Twenty some years, which is it's pretty impressive. Uh, ninety-two to ninety-four was the three seasons for Sterling. So, um, Devonte has I, I, that same electric electricity as Sterling Sharp to me. Yeah, um, and 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 he like when I'm talking about uh, targeting a wide receiver one. Like, this is, like, my biggest knock on Jay Cutler when he was with the Bears and why I don't think he was a very good quarterback is just because he would look to Brandon Marshall every, every, every snap. And, and he would, he would, his, the target share was insane. Um, Devontae is different. Devontae is like Jerry Rice. And if, if you have a, an extra couple of hours uh, during your week, I highly suggest you go into NFL.com and you find the all-22 footage of the Packers playing anybody and just watch Devontae Adams without the ball. It's like watching LeBron James. He just it's gorgeous. He, he finds spots. Like first of all, the the kung fu he does at the line and the way he's able to just get clean releases on on every type of cornerback is insane. And then the way he just gets a little bit of separation, he just like kind of catches, he knows exactly where Aaron's going to be uh, in like the progression of the play. And it's just it is so beautiful to see because he's not the fastest guy. He's not like, he, you know, he's not, he's not number one in any like stat, I think, but he is a transcendent player and he's somebody who has worked his ass off and he's really shown how hard he has worked and how much he's improved. And that excites me so much more than uh, just kind of seeing EQ or MVS make a good play because if he can kind of teach them that and, and they can glean that, and I'm sure he got a lot of that from Jordy, but if he can kind of pass that along, oh man, I don't care who your quarterback is. I mean, we're gonna that's gonna be a beautiful thing for a few years. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I love him. Uh, Kung Fu at the line, his second and third gears, his ability to separate. Um, it, yeah, he's just he's a treasure to watch, man. I love it. He's becoming my favorite player on the team. Um, it's great, you know, and I, I love it more because I hated him for so many years. He he just had like so brick long. hands. Yeah, for so long. I mean, he would he would catch all the impossible ones, and then he'd drop all the easy ones, and and then he would then he got to the point where he wasn't catching the damn thing at all. Um, so it's super exciting to see him where he's at. I I'm pumped, and I love that we signed him up. So uh, should be really exciting. Um, but let's get back into it. We kind of covered a little bit of this conspiracy theory. So people out there, if you see it on there. We're not saying that Rodgers is throwing games. Don't, I don't think that. That's not why I posted it. I posted it just to get your minds going. Um, me and Cam have the same exact perspective on what we think. He obviously went over it. Um, but we get into the coaching situation. We get into Mike McCarthy. You just said that you thought Hugh Jackson had a better chance. Um, God, I hope you're wrong. Uh, 
but let's talk a little bit about this this coaching carousel that we're about to see here. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, I, I kind of hope that <clears throat> that Goot already has something in his head, and is I'm, I'm not saying. Let me backtrack. He obviously has something in his head uh, about what he wants to do here with this. He, he's got a plan for sure. Absolutely got a plan. Uh, we talked about that last episode as well. That he's five years deep here in this plan. Um, but what I what I'm saying is that I hope that it is executed quickly, uh, so that we don't have to spend a majority of our off season playing that game of who's who, why is why, what you know. I just I, I'd like to just have it get locked up, ready to rock, and let's get back to business. Uh, there's obviously a list out there. Uh, people have been comprising this list for a long time. Um, it ranges from any type of successful offensive coordinator out there, uh, talking Kansas City, New Orleans, um, you know, LA, everybody in that, that those types of trees. Uh, you're looking at these crazy spread offense collegiate quarterback or coaches. Um, the names are are all over the place. Um, there's a couple names though that we look at, and, and their names that we've heard, their names that we see on a regular basis, um, and, and I'm kind of talking about the Josh McDaniels, the Harbaugh's, uh, the De Filippo's, the the Lincoln Rileys of college football. Where are you at uh, with with your list, or where do you think uh, you know Green Bay would look first, and and what what makes what's the best decision? Or is there one yet? Well, it's, it's almost like uh, picking out a, like sort of like a democratic candidate for 2020. It's, it's just, it's the field is so wide open right now that I, you know, I don't envy Goot's job um, or, or uh, Mark Murphy's job. Um, I do think that it's, it's not, I, I, you know, it's, it's a very insular team within a very insular league. Uh, so, you know, our job is to sort of speculate as to, you know, what's going on inside Rogers McCarthy's head, blah, blah, blah. And when we go to like, what are they thinking in the future? That's, that's a really tough uh, cookie. That's a really tough nut to crack. I think, I think it's going to really come down to the interview. I think it's going to come down to um, who fits. Um, I don't think you're going to see somebody like Lincoln Riley or Harbaugh uh, come in, uh, simply because that's like a little bit of a culture clash for me. Um, Lincoln Riley also, uh, cares about defense about as much as James Harden does. So, I mean, I think we need somebody who's a little bit more, uh, versed on both sides of the ball. Um, I forget his name, but the, uh, the chief's, uh, special teams coordinator is also getting a lot of, uh, conversation around him. Um, I think you kind of want to look at coaching trees, but don't maybe don't take them too seriously. Uh, like we we're seeing success with Matt Nagy, we're seeing success with um, uh, the Titans guy. But like just hiring somebody like Matt Patricia just because they worked for Bill Belichick, not a Packers move. That's not us. Um, and so there's a there's a lot of things that that despite there being no Ron Wolf, no Ted Thompson. Um, we're going to stay Packers. So like Mike McCarthy's not going anywhere until January 1st. Um, and so that's, it's going to be one of the later jobs that comes open. I think the Browns almost have a more uh, attractive opening because they're so transparent right now with what they're doing. 
Um, and it's going to be all about fit and personality. And you can bet your ass that Aaron Rodgers will have a huge say in uh, who was brought in. It's got to be the most attractive job. Fuck the Browns, man. It's got to be the most. You're talking about getting the opportunity to work with Aaron Rodgers and potentially be a Super Bowl contender every single year. Um, I, I will agree with you on, on most of your points about who's going to be brought in. I, I don't quite know um, yet. I've looked at all the names. I've looked at you know the Dave Two, the Dave Taub. Uh, that's who you're talking about from Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. You got Bruce Arians. You got Pete Carmichael. You got uh, Matt Lafleur. You got all these different names out there. It's just it's it's going to be chaos. That's why I wanted to get done with quick. Um, one name that keeps coming up, and I wanted to ask you, uh, Josh McDaniels. Um, you talked about it not being necessarily someone from Belichick. Um, I I know Blaine who was on with me all last year, loves Josh McDaniels, loves the idea of bringing him in. Offense so do I. Guy. Um, you do as well? I, I think he is a really smart offensive coach. I think if he goes to a right organization, if he gets another chance as a head coach, um, I think he could be good if that organization is strong. So I think with, with somebody like Goot and uh, with the board, I think he would do well in Green Bay. Uh, but just like all these guys, the big knock on him, is Indianapolis. It's it's what happened there. We don't really know. Is he like would do you interview him the next year or do you give it more time? Like, you know, we need a coach now. And a lot of speculation there, a lot of speculation with his agent, um, and, and just that situation. Um I look at it from a little bit of a different point of view in the sense of it worries me to a degree, but like it's not as much because it's NFC. And I know that seems really stupid, but being AFC and being the Colts who have not always had the most beautiful history with the Patriots, it almost just felt like more than what it was. Uh, like there was more of a plan to do something like that. Right. Than maybe we thought of, and I don't want to conspire against that. Cause that's kind of crazy, but it wouldn't shock me to have Belichick be like, Hey, why don't you go apply for that job to the Colts, the team that we, you know, battled in countless AFC championship games. And then maybe we'll just back out because I'm going to tell you that I'm going to give you what's up in my head. You know? Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's definitely something behind closed doors there. Like either the owner was, you know, so high on painkillers that he offered the, the, the job just and forgot about it or that Belichick got scared uh, and, and called him and said, please come back. I guarantee you, I'll, I'll um, give you the keys um, when I leave. Yeah. But here's the thing about, uh, you know, Gudikins and Josh McDaniels is there's a history there. Uh, a recent history. Uh, two years ago, McDaniels was in the uh, 49ers coaching search until the very end. Uh, and one of the things the Niners were looking at was pairing different people together. When Josh McDaniels was in the running for that job, the guy oh. at the time that had emerged as the front runner for the general manager job and who had blown the Niners away, I bet you can't guess, was Packers personnel man named Brian Gudikins, who is now the general manager. So they were conspired to work together, talk to, they, they, they talked together, they spent some time together. 
there was something there. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's enough to make him the head coach. But that it, that seems awfully interesting. That is that is pretty interesting. And uh, you know, I know uh, John Lynch has done a pretty good job out there, and I'm kind of baffled that they've done a good job the last couple of years because their ownership uh i think was in the running for daniel snyder for being like the worst owners in the league um but yeah that's that's an impressive turnaround at least in terms of uh roster and stuff i mean i was just reading that uh the 49ers offered more for khalil Mack, but gruden felt like the bears would be worse and that the the better draft spot would be in chicago uh, and not knowing that Garoppolo went down, that makes sense. But um, yeah, I mean, that that would be that would be very cool. I don't. I also don't know if he is Wisconsin enough for us. Um, nope. Like maybe if uh, we start, you know, starts bulking, and uh, you know, we just get him to be a little bit more salty or something. We can get like a home grin crash course or something for him. But, uh, yeah, I, I felt like organizationally when he was with uh, Denver, I, th- I thought there were problems there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, just, I guess I just want to see I, – I guess I just like to, to, to have an open window into that process because uh, I'm sure it'll be harrowing, but I think it'll be uh, pretty exciting. I'm, I have no doubts that we're going to find uh, the right guy. McDaniels is a kind of a Midwest situation, though. Um, from Ohio, coached at Michigan State. Um, you know, he's he's been in the Midwest to the to the, to a degree. I think that helps. Um, I guess my my one of my biggest things with him and the idea of him being a coach for the Green Bay Packers is has he humbled himself enough? since the last time can he come in here and understand that yes you are the head coach and you know we'll follow you for sure as a as a, as a fan base we will follow you 100 percent if you you prove right um but can you come in here respect the past respect the history and coincide with aaron Rodgers? right that's my biggest fear is that is it going to be too much offensive mind that it gets too crazy in the sense of they can't quite, you know, they're kind of battling back and forth. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, I've seen people talk about, well, why don't we look for a defensive coach, you know, keep petting and, and, you know, Aaron basically runs the damn offense anyway. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the heck's going to happen. Um, I think at this exact juncture, um, the moment that I read that interesting fact about McDaniels and Goot and Sam Fran, that was the first time that I was like, "Oh, I kind of would be okay with McDaniels." Like that's that's know, wishful thinking, though. I, I hadn't I hadn't heard that. That is a cool fact, though. Right, and I think that that's int- you know, if Sam Fran was, and obviously we know that Sam Fran doesn't have the best, um, you know, past with that kind of stuff, but. I think that Lynch and um, Shanahan's been a great combo. And I think that if they were able to be, you know, if they had Lynch and they had Shanahan and they had Gruden and they had uh, McDaniels and they had 
Gudikins, and they had all these people. You know, they had their big pot of people. And they decided, let's match people up by who fits in their mindset. Gudikins and McDaniels fit, and there was talk that they were, you know, getting along well. Right. got to imagine that that's going to resurface as soon as McCarthy's gone. And how, how, how great would it be for McDaniels to come to the NFC where he doesn't have to worry about Bill throughout the year, but possibly has the opportunity to beat Bill in the Super Bowl? I mean, isn't that, every, isn't that, like your, isn't that the dream of every athlete is to eventually beat their, you know, their, their teacher in a way? I mean, I'll tell you right now, the day that Ethan beats me in a sport is going to probably be one of his best days of his life. I'll never forget it. <laughs> you know, that's part of the game. You know, it's never going to happen. Some beast. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He's actually getting, he's getting close. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, isn't that kind of, you know, like, yeah, McDaniels is successful. He's seen it. He's under Bill. Obviously, when you talk about the Patriots dynasty, no one's going to talk about McDaniels. They're going to talk about Bill. It's the same kind of aura that you brought up, I believe, before in Belichick's hunger for, for winning in certain areas because of the lack of respect that he earned from the Parcells era. Well, Fred, um, here's, here, here's what I'm seeing right now. So I, I, I remember the last time a coach took a job, a head coaching job, and then said, never mind, uh, like a day or two later. And then he came to a team which had a tenured $100 million quarterback and won a bunch of Super Bowls with a seventh-round pick. That this is, it's very comparable. I mean, because he yeah. took Belichick took the Browns head coaching job, said no, went to the went to Parcells for a minute, and then went to to uh, New England, where uh, Drew Bledsoe just got ten years, hundred million dollars, and then he went down. So all I'm saying is Aaron Rodgers. Career-ending injury this year, and uh, seventh-round pick next year is going to be the next Tom Brady. All right, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. No, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to work hard on that one. <laughs> no, but I, I think when you're talking, it's it's such a different situation uh, than every sort of Patriots placement, like all the, like back to Mangini and all these other guys who had like all the hype and uh, were supposed to be these really smart football minds. Nobody went to a situation where they had a Hall of Fame quarterback in his prime still. And, um, yeah, if I'm McDaniels, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, that's, that's a pretty sexy situation. And I'm kind of looking at home. I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know how much longer Bill's going to coach. Um, and I don't know who his backups or who Tom's backup is going to be. So, I don't know. I, th- I think if you want to set yourself up for the long term uh, as a coach, yeah, I'd, I'd come take this opportunity and see what I could do with it. Um, it's, it's, and, it's the best situation out there. And it, it fits right now. And it's, you're not going to get a better opportunity. You're not going to get to go to a better organization with a better quarterback than coming here to Green Bay. Yeah, I, I, make, I mean. If he wants to make his name and redeem himself, if you will, for the, the failure of before. And... and you know, jump outside of, of Belichick's shadow, where do you go? I mean, you're not going to go to the Saints because that's not going to happen. You're not going to go to the Rams because that's not going to happen. 
and you know maybe the Chiefs in a couple of years when Reed decides to retire. Well, the only the, the only reason I bring up the Browns' job as being more attractive is because it's lower pressure. For sure. Because you, I mean, you have a first round, first overall pick, and you have a bunch of young talent. But what you've won your first four games in the last three years, and now you can improve on that or whatever. Um, no one's expecting you to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and if you do, you'd have like a great, you know, just just as rabid of a fan base, um, just as important to the people of Cleveland. Um, who are just as disenfranchised with all their other sports. Uh, so, so I think there's, there's a little opportunity there. Again, ownership is a question you have to work, worry about. Organizational stuff is a question you have to think about. Um, and, and that's the thing we don't really know about either is, are these guys good to work for? Like, is it a good working environment? Um, as a coach, as a staffer on the personnel side, can you guys get along? And, um, when you see things like the haha trade and, and they have to kind of come out and say, yeah, we, we checked in with everybody and everybody was good with the trade. Um, that's, I think a positive sign. That's like a, a transparency move that I like to see. Um, it's not Bill Belichick just being mad at somebody cause he was late to practice and trading them to the Browns or something for a fifth round pick. Um, and I, I think that's the kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to be, you know, anything disruptive in terms of like a new board member, a new president or anything in the next few years. But um, I think, I think you want to think about that too. And that's something that we don't really have a great insight into, but uh, you know, if it's me, I'd much rather work for um, a bunch of like-minded people who care about my organization than I would one person who is solely motivated by uh, financial gain with that organization. So yeah, if I'm a coach, I'm coming to Green Bay, I think. I think it's just um, great legacy, amazing history. Um, it's a little bit uh, Friday Night Lights in terms of like, I'm sure how much you get approached when you're at TJ Maxx's in Green Bay or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's one of the greatest historical opportunities ever for a head coach. All right, we're going to quick check in with the Ground Round in Nina. Hello, Packer fans. Ryan from the Ground Round checking in. For those looking to make holiday shopping easy, we've got you covered. Our dinner and a movie package is a great stocking, stocking stuffer. For $49.99, you get a $50 Ground Round gift card, two Marcus Cinema movie passes, and a popcorn voucher. If you're looking for something a little simpler, check out our Bounce Back program. For every $25 you spend in ground round gift cards, you get a $5 bounce back coupon in return. You can save that $5 for yourself or add it to another gift you are given. Both gift card specials are available through the rest of the year. If you're looking to get together with friends and family over the holidays, don't forget about our seven day happy hour. Happy hour is offered from three to six and nine to midnight every day of the week, in addition to daily specials like Tuesday Bogo Burgers and our award-winning fish fry. Wishing for a playoff run this Christmas, go pack go and back to you, Fred. All right, so coming off another loss, here we go. We're going to go and, well, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to stay home. We're going to play the Cardinals, uh, which, by the way, tickets are, like, dirt cheap. People are basically handing them out again. Sickening how many people give up so quickly. Uh, but we're playing the Cardinals, 2-9. and nine. They just got their asses kicked by the Chargers, uh, who look fantastic. And they were one of my preseason favorite teams, by the way. Me too. Uh, yeah, I love the defense, love Philip Rivers, love everything, that, love Melvin Gordon, love the situation there. Um, but going in with the Cardinals, 2-9, and nine, I mean, you, you got to imagine that 
this is going to be a win, right? I mean, the the team itself is is kind of in disarray a little bit, uh, getting rid of some players, uh, rookie quarterback, you know, still leaning on Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, David Johnson is obviously very good, and and I'm sure you know we'll find that out. But you would think that in this next run the table 2.0 bowl prep, this has got to be one of those easier wins. Well, you have like these. I mean, they're almost like letdown games with the Dolphins and now the Cardinals. Um, in that they're surrounded by really important games that we need to win. Um, and obviously, uh, yet yeah, now if you want to get anywhere you better start winning games especially on the road um but um you know i think you can learn a lot of lessons from the cardinals uh they fired their offensive coordinator a few weeks ago and they promoted byron leftwich who was their quarterback's coach he's a former quarterback and uh they've just kind of again leaned into the things that they're good at so so like the last couple of weeks if you are a david johnson fantasy owner you're probably pretty happy because they've been getting him involved in all these different um ways on the offense and yeah I think I think they're kind of like us and that they had a dead zone in terms of uh drafting guys um so when they got rid of uh you know John Brown and Calais Campbell and Tyrion Matthew and stuff like that you 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 had a lot of gaps on that team um but uh their offense has been you know better like much better um and if, if you watched the first drive last week they, they just marched down the field against one of the better defenses in the league in the chargers um again i don't think they have the talent to do that for a whole game against a good team uh which i think we are um and i don't think they have the uh i don't think they have enough offensively to flex on our defense um but uh this is kind of a get back game i think this is uh, a game where you see guys like Dean Lowry and Reggie Gilbert, Gilbert get a lot of uh, get a lot of tread and and try to see them do some new things and and improve, continue to improve. Um, you know, maybe you get Jair, you know, taking two blockers and and tackling somebody with them. I, I mean, you just want to see improvement and and especially from your young guys. Um, I mean, my prediction this week would be like thirty-one to fourteen, um, and I think that we're going to have some fuck ups in uh, special teams. I can kind of predict that already. And, um, you know, it's going to be one of those games where you're, you're happy we won, but you know, it's, it's just like the other games we've won this year. Like we should be blowing these teams out. And uh, you posted a, a tweet, uh, I think last week where, where you showed that, you know, we could be two or nine or nine and two based on all these close games that we played uh, where we really only had two big wins and two like for sure losses where we, won the game front to front to back or lost the game front to back. And, and that to me is an indicator of a, of a coach who can't manage the game. Well, um, and, uh, seeing how you do against bad teams or surprise teams, like teams with some talent, um, like cause every game in the NFL is a, is a, is a real game. You can't just walk in and get a win. Um, seeing how we do against teams like this, I think is important. But uh, if you're like me and you want to take a longer view, just kind of expand. Just think of this as like an extra long preseason for next yeah. year. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that – I was going to say the same thing. It's, it's going to be kind of a glorified preseason and watching some of the younger guys and seeing where they progress to. Um, like I said in the beginning, I'm not done until it's done. So, I mean, we still have one more game. 
For sure, yeah. You know, and each game is going to be important, obviously, and we just got to take care of our business. Um, and the, the NFC is such that, like, um, you know, when, when the Panthers are going for two, when they could easily win a game, like, like that's, these are just gifts being laid in our laps, and we're not taking advantage, uh, which is very frustrating. But, again, I don't know if any of these teams are worthy of, of you know, making a championship run. Um, and we got a lot of work to do, I think, to get to that level. Um, could it happen in this year? Yes. Will it happen? I don't think so. But I'm with you, Fred. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ride or die. I watch, I watch even when we're eliminated. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, we're not going to stop here. Uh, whether or not we lose next week, we'll still be here, still talking, still evaluating, still you know, coming up with our own theories. Um, I'm going to go 28-19 uh, on the game. Um, I think we win. I think it's we'll have that spark. How long that spark decides to last, we we don't know. It doesn't always seem to last long for us, uh, especially with our injuries. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting. The next few weeks are going to be crazy, and if we start winning games, you know, it it'll be fun to to kind of get excited about it, and then everyone will get completely let down at some point, and and then back up come to pitchforks. Yeah, I can I can guarantee you that that Mitch Trubisky is going to have a shitty game before the end of the year. Like, there's going to be a lot of questions about other teams. You know, just focus on you. Control what you can control. And and yeah, if we if we play like we should play, um, then we should we should feel encouraged. Uh, but um, yeah, I think I think there's more room to be to be hopeful about the future than there is uh, reasons to feel despondent. I mean, you've got your infrastructure, you've got your quarterback signed for the next four years. You've got really young roster of talented guys. Um, and you have an attitude with a lot of those guys that I think benefits a team who has to have that scrappy small town mentality to compete with the big boys. Amen. All right. Any final thoughts? Oh, uh, no. We got, we got through it all. What'd you say? Do your job. Do your job. Yeah. Do your job. That's it. That's all you got to do. Do your job. Coach your players. Play the game. Win the game. Make us happy. Go Pack Go. Go Pack. <laughs>